Welcome to the Make Money Behave podcast, where we talk about your money, your circumstances, and the small changes in your behavior that will have a big impact on both. My name is Maria Casillas, and I am honored to be your host. Hey, everyone. Happy May Day to you, and welcome back to Make Money Behave. I've been gone for about a week now, and I'm so excited to be back. I just wanted to say thank you to all of you who have been continuing to download episodes, even while I'm not throwing them out there. I know that there are plenty to listen to and choose from now, and I just want to say thank you for taking some time over the weekend to do that, because I saw the downloads continue to come through, even though I wasn't putting out new content. Content. I am so glad to be back and putting out some new content for you today. I actually do miss this. Um, right now there is a teacher walkout going on in our state and so our kiddos have been home a little bit more than normal and so I've had to carve out a little extra time uh, just to try to make this work and I wasn't really able to do that the last few days but today I have had the opportunity to do that so thank you for your patience. Let's jump right into today's topic and I named this Save farewell to welfare. In order to teach you some of the points that I learned, I want to just kind of walk you through a personal story that happened with us and our short stint on getting welfare services. As you know, if you know a little bit about my backstory, if you've been listening, you know that we walked ourselves into about $93,000 worth of debt and we decided as part of our journey to get rid of a lot of that debt, we needed to sell our house so that we could move into a smaller place with a lower rent and not such a high mortgage. And so we did that and we started, I think it was about a year after we had started doing that. I take that back. It was about 10 months um, after we had started our debt-free journey that my husband actually got laid off from his job. So it was right around Thanksgiving and we we were kind of stuck with not knowing what was going to happen next, where, where was that next paycheck going to come from. I was still doing my small side business with a direct sales company at that time and I was doing okay with it but it certainly was not enough to float our entire family. So we were kind of like stuck in the middle of what do we do now. So there are two things that I want to tell you that helped to reduce the amount of stress and anxiety that we felt during that time. One thing was that when he was laid off, he was given a severance package and it wasn't a huge one. I think they gave him like one week pay for every year that he had been there or something like that. So we got about five weeks or six weeks worth of severance pay. That was going to bring us right through to the end of December and the second thing that really kind of helped us is that we had been kind of working that debt-free journey and snowball for about 10 months up to then. And we had kind of gotten rid of, I don't remember the exact numbers, but we had gotten rid of probably the first five or so of the smaller debts, which meant that those were five minimum payments that we no longer had to be making on a monthly basis. We were paying those as part of the snowball, but when he got laid off, we were able to reduce like to basically take that amount off of the snowball and just go back to making minimum payments on all of our debt so that we could keep up with the payments but not overpay. So I hope that makes sense. Uh, those two things really helped reduce the amount of anxiety that we had. But what it also did was it gave me about five weeks to kind of figure out if my husband doesn't find a job in the next five weeks, what do we do then? How do we, how do we survive? We had two young kids and we just needed to make sure that we had the basic needs, you know, a house over their head and um, some food for their little bellies. And then also, if possible, some sort of access to medical care. 
So I, for the first time in my entire life, actually started looking into some of the state welfare services and quickly found out that it was a very tedious and humbling and frustrating process to go through. So we, but I went through it. We, we had to get all the documentation and prove that he was not working. And, you know, when, when was he going to run out of severance pay? Because that was one of the deals was we were not able to qualify for anything while he was technically on a paycheck that he had received. And so, you know, we couldn't actually get any services until January because his severance pay was going to go through December. But I was still able to kind of go through all of the paperwork and, and all of the hoops so that I could be ready in January should he not have a job by then. And as you can imagine, based on the title of this episode, we did indeed qualify for some assistance. Um, it was mostly just unemployment assistance. We didn't have any income-based um, assistance other than food and health care. And then he was eligible for unemployment. But for some reason, the unemployment didn't kick in until like two or three weeks after January had begun. And then he was hired somewhere on that very last week of January. So I think we got one, maximum two paychecks from his unemployment. And then uh, we got one month of food assistance. And then technically we got a second month of food assistance. And here's where one of the lessons comes in that I wanted to share with you because I didn't know how any of this worked. And I was quite shocked and a little bit annoyed um, when I saw how all this kind of played out. So in January, probably the second week or so of the month, we received a card that looked very much like a credit or debit card. And basically, they it was kind of like a preloaded card. So they put a certain amount of money on that card. And then we were allowed to use it at grocery stores to buy certain foods. So basically, we let them know how many people were in our family, how much my husband was making from unemployment, how much I was making from my side business. And then they determined how much money that they would put onto this card. Now, I just want to remind you real quick and just throw this into the story so you understand where some of my frustration with this came from. We had been working our debt snowball for about a year now, and we had been very, very intentional with our money. We were proactive. We decided ahead of time how much we were going to spend. And we, at that time, we I was clipping coupons and I was doing everything that I could to make sure that our grocery budget stayed really low. In fact, at the time, I was feeding our family of four on about $200 a month. So we figured out a way to, um, you know, just I don't know, shop the sales, stock up when we could, and basically feed them on $50 every single week on average. And that was what we had been doing. And we had figured it out. And, you know, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. I just want to throw that out there to let you know that when push came to shove and we had to figure out how to feed our family on $200 a month, we figured it out. Now, fast forward to January and the state decided how much money we were able to get for food. You guys, they gave us $600 for a month worth of food. And at the time, my jaw just dropped and I was a little bit frustrated. <laughs> and I had someone ask me, I confided in a friend and the friend asked me, I don't understand. Why are you frustrated? Is that not enough? And I'm like, not enough. Oh my gosh, that's three times what I have figured out how to feed my family on. So I, being as naive as I am, I assumed that if 
the powers that be thought that I needed $600 every single month to feed my family, then the natural following assumption would be that I need to use that full $600 in a month. Well, my gosh, I had been figuring out how to feed our family on $200 a month. So the very thought of trying to triple that actually was like difficult in my head. I'm like, how am I going to possibly spend $600 this month on food? So what I did was I went and got like some of the meats and stuff that are more expensive. I would go and buy in bulk and then put into our deep freezer. So that way when the food ran out or the money ran out, we would have something to kind of pull the free from the freezer and be able to supplement later on. So that was my mentality. So we get down to the end of January and I have successfully spent my $600 because I thought if I don't use it, I'll lose it. I mean, that would just make sense, at least in, in my head. <laughs> so, so we get to the end. Um, like I said earlier, my husband got a job offer, I think sometime around the 26th or 27th of January, something like that. But he wasn't going to actually start until closer to like February 1st. Well, what happened was they gave another $600 onto the card around the end of January, or maybe even the first of February, I don't remember which day. But it was just like the day or two before we were going to call them and say my husband starts a job today. And so I remember like opening up the thing and seeing that it had $600 more on it. And I thought, oh man, like we, we missed it. You know, now I have to let them know and, and how do I get it back? So I called the lady in charge and she answered the phone and I explained to her that my husband has a job. They put the $600 on the account. How do I give it back to them? This lady laughed and she said, ma'am, what do you mean give it back to us? And I said, well, you know, technically we don't qualify for this anymore. My husband just got a job and we were not going to need this as much. And, and she said, oh, no, once it's on the card, you can't give it back. Okay. So then I thought, well, let me just ask the question, even though I'm sure I'll have to use it by the end of February. Let me just ask. And so I asked her, do I need to use this by the end of February? And she said, oh, no, ma'am. You know, once it's on your card, you can, you know, it, it stays on your card. And it doesn't matter how long it takes you to use it. We just won't continue to put more on it now that your husband has a job. Okay. So while I thought that that was kind of crazy, that if they, if they really believed I needed that much, then you would think that they would assume that I would use that much. But whatever. Obviously, we had a different way of looking at things. I decided, well, okay, I've got a whole couple months worth of meat now stashed in our deep freezer because I used $600 last month. And uh, and then I thought I've been used to living on $300, sorry, $200 a month over the last year. So what I decided to do was stretch that card out as far as I possibly could. We used the stock meat from the freezer or the vegetables or whatever else was in the freezer. We used that and then we supplemented each month with about $150 to $200 from the card. And that left more room in our budget to actually give a little bit more and also to supplement a little bit because when my husband got a new job, it was a significant pay cut. So we were able to, you know, kind of stretch that out and, and use that intentionally. Had we not been getting ourselves into the habits that we got ourselves into over the past year, that would have been a lot more difficult to leverage that extra little income that we had because it would have been so easy just to say, woohoo, 
oh, you know, we've, we've got $600 a month we can play with and let's just go out and completely blow it. And I'm so glad, so, so grateful that we didn't do that, that we had already set ourselves in motion to make sure that we didn't have that mentality when this stuff came to us. So here's the kicker. We knew how we could afford food, even without any assistance from the state. What happened that was a little bit more devastating to our, our psyche, if you will, was that we lost insurance. Now, we had been approved for the state insurance for our kids for that first month, but then when they said, oh, your husband has a job now, you make just it was like 25 cents too much or something like that. Now, I'm exaggerating, but it was a very, very small amount over the qualifying amount. And so they said, we're sorry, you're no, you're no longer eligible for health insurance. So the thing that we actually needed, we didn't have access to. Um, so we had to just figure something out. We knew that we couldn't afford the COBRA that was in place because that was like $1,200 a month or something. And so we had to go searching for different alternatives. And and I did. And, we, and that's a whole other episode. I'm actually going to talk about that later, about um, health insurance and kind of some of the lessons I learned from that whole stint. But I just wanted to let you know that I, I felt like there was this inconsistency, like we were given way more than we needed in one area and way less than what we actually needed in another area. And so that just started my brain thinking about what what is our system set up like and is it is it something that is efficient and is it something that people who are trying to win with money will actually utilize. And the overall answer that I came up with was, there's really nothing wrong with utilizing the system in a way that it was initially designed for. And that was as a hand up. It's not uncommon for families and individuals to fall on hard times and to really need someone somewhere to give them a hand up. And sometimes that'll be through like a welfare system through the government. And sometimes it'll be through a local community or a local church or even just a friend that you know who will give you that hand up. The part that became very frustrating for me at the time and even now just as a financial coach was that. Once my husband did the thing that he was expected to do, once he became more self-reliant, he went and found a job, there was no buffer zone. And because there was no buffer zone there, it almost felt like a punishment for going out and actually finding a job. Now, I want to fast forward about three years or so to the time that we gave birth to our little, our littlest daughter. And again, that's a whole nother episode that I plan to talk about. Uh, but in this one, I just want to tell you that when I gave birth to her, we were in a very high deductible plan and she ended up in the NICU. And because of all of that financial stuff that was going on, the, the hospital insisted on having a social worker come up and ask me some questions to see if we qualify for any sort of state aid. Now, the lady sat down and I specifically told her that I don't qualify for state aid. My husband makes too much money. And she said, we need to go through this questionnaire just to make sure. The reason I'm sharing this piece with you is because some of the questions that were in that questionnaire were so infuriating, not because they were nosy, although they were being nosy, but because what it basically said was that if our lifestyle had been different, then we would have qualified for stuff. So hear me out when I tell you this. 
One example was, you know, what kind of car do you drive and is it paid for? Well, we were driving a, an old, you know, minivan. It wasn't beat up, but it was definitely an older minivan. And we had paid for it already. And so at this point, we had very little debt. I think the debt we had left over was student loans. And so because we didn't have a whole lot of debt, because we were not strapped to a car payment, because we had decided on how to you know, feed our family on a lot less because we had decided to live in a house that cost us less because we were making these decisions that were clearly sacrificial decisions. We didn't qualify for any help. Had we told them that we drive a car that we don't, we can't afford and that we, you know, have to pay this much in our rent or whatever because we're living beyond our means. Had we been, had our lifestyle been such that the lifestyle itself created lack of cash flow, then we would be eligible for assistance. But because we like played it lean, we weren't eligible. And that just chopped my hide. I was like, wait, wait, wait. I didn't want to be eligible for assistance at that point. Please don't misunderstand the statement. I want to teach people not to be relying on someone else. Self-reliance is one of the main things that I want to teach people. And realistically, that oftentimes comes with some self-sacrifice. We don't always get the nicest, the best things all the time. We can choose nice things soon, right? Like we don't have to skim forever. I don't cut coupons anymore, just so you know. I also don't feed my family on $200 a month anymore, just so you know. We have a family of five now. Um, so I usually do about, you know, four to $500 a month. And so, you know, we're not as... We're not as tight with some of our cash as we used to be when we had to be, when we were in survival mode. But we had to go through some of those tough life lessons. And I know we were better for it. And I just wish that the system was set up a little bit differently so that we aren't rewarded for a lack of change. I know of stories where people legitimately qualify for some sort of assistance and then they do their best to better their situation by getting a side gig or something and they'll bring in like $500 over the course of a year and all of a sudden all of this assistance is gone. So you bring in 5000 I'm sorry, $500 over the course of a year and now you've got to pay back $5,000 or $10,000 and that just doesn't make any sense. It, it basically says stay where you are. We want you to keep needing us. And by us, I mean, you know, the, the government assistance. And all I'm saying is in order to really make money behave the way we needed it to, we needed to say, sorry, we're not going to stay relying on this, even if it really, really hurts right now, because, you know, making just a small amount over the amount that we could be getting this assistance, and now we get none, there's going to be even extra sacrifices that we need to make for a little bit longer. But it's so worth it in the end, because that it's just a, a very small time in your life where those extra sacrifices are going to have to be made as you continue to leverage your mindset, to change your behaviors, to be more proactive about what you do and to really think about the big picture and how things are going to affect you and your family in the long run then you'll do whatever you can to say farewell to welfare as quickly as possible as well. 
And don't let me forget to mention that while I was lying in that hospital bed after having delivered my kiddo and they asked me all of these nosy questions, the very last question that they asked me was how much does my husband make? <laughs> and when I told them how much he made, she looked at this very handy little chart and she goes, oh, well, he makes too much to have any assistance. And I just looked at her and I said, I told you that before you answered all these questions or before you asked all these questions. And I was just so annoyed that they decided to gather all of this information about me and our living habits and our spending habits and all of that when they could have just asked the first question, what does your husband make? And know right away that he does not qualify for any outside assistance. So I think at that point is where I just started to get a little bit more skeptical of what is, what's really in our best interest and is the system set up in a way that really helps people become more self-reliant. I don't know that it is set up that way, but I know that if you ever need to use it, like we had to use it, that if you do it with intentionality, you can use it in the way it was intended, where it is just a hand up for you and it's just pulling you out of the dirt, giving you a little dust off and allowing you to get back onto your feet like it allowed us to get back onto our feet. I was very, very grateful that it was there. I was I was annoyed, yes, that they overgave uh, because it just made me wonder how, how much they're all also overgiving in other areas, um, but I was grateful for it, and and I'm if nothing else, it really made me have to learn about a lot of other things, including health insurance and it, it just the way the whole system works and and all of that. So I'm grateful for the experience, um, but I'm also so so glad that we were blessed enough to have the ability to say farewell to welfare and hopefully for good. I appreciate you guys tuning in today and letting me talk a little bit about this topic. That's kind of a tough topic to talk about, really. I know it it kind of stirs up a lot of emotion for a lot of people, and it probably stirs up some controversy. <laughs> so I really appreciate you taking a step back and, and letting me kind of explain to you what we went through and a couple of those lessons that we learned from it. And um, I, I hope that you will throw a review on iTunes, whether it's about this episode or any of the episodes that you've heard. Whether it's a star rating or a review or even just a comment, it doesn't have to take a long time. In fact, I'm, I'm right about done. So as soon as this is done, feel free to hit stop and go straight to iTunes and do it now because if you're anything like me, you'll forget later. And uh, just know that I am forever grateful for you continuing to listen and continuing to get this message out there so that the people who need to hear it are able to do so. You guys have a great rest of your May 1st. I'm excited to see what we can talk about over this next month. And just a reminder, if you have a specific question that you want me to answer or a topic that you want me to talk about with you, feel free to send me an email with that. Maria at cashinonchange.com is the email address. And we can talk about what would be the next step for you personally when it comes to making your money behave. That's all I got for you today, guys. As always, thanks for listening. Bye-bye.